Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Take on the World TV. You guys are watching Flat Out Insights. Michael, can you believe it's been four months since? Oh, no, I cannot. It just it's went been, by like that. I, I oh, way too long. Um, so we're going to be doing a lot more episodes coming up. Uh, we have so many in the works, and then they just kind of fell off. Um, so, but you know, Michael. Uh, ended up having a, a loss in his family. He had the loss of his daughter. So we were just on hiatus for, you know, a few months there. And then, you know, with everything going on, now we're finally back. And, you know, I'm super excited for you guys to uh, to hear about this. If you're seeing this for the first time tonight, uh, we aren't doing a live take on the world in person this year, but we are heading back to a virtual event. And that's going to be November 17th through the 20th right here only on Take on the World TV. We got lots of presenters. Uh, we're, everything is gonna be an uploaded video, uh, except for a few live events. We actually have a few live discussion style debates, and uh, we have one that deals with futurism versus uh, did the millennial reign already occur and happen? Uh, we're working on right here a, a flat earth versus the globe debate whether it be biblical or scientific, or hopefully a little bit of both. And I'm going to try to uh, push Michael Solomon to be that guy. So if you are watching this <laughs> and you are on the flip side and you happen to be a believer, a Christian, uh, Torah believer, whatever, doesn't matter. If you are someone who believes in scripture as your authority and you are a heliocentric globe person that would like to debate that, here is your chance live November 17th through the 20th. It would be that final day on the 20th. We're also looking at a few other different uh, style debates. And the point of these debates is to show, uh, even in our disagreements, how we can still exemplify the fruits of the Spirit discussing such heavy topics uh, such as those. So it's going to be absolutely amazing. And then hopefully pray for us as we plan for to find a place for take on the world 23 in person and um we're not having a lot of luck so pray for us so wow um michael we are back and we've brought someone with us you guys you can see we brought noel j hadley um and he is going to be talking about his new book the earth not a globe review and we're going to be sharing a little bit about that whole entire book and the history into what it means back then, what it means today, and how this is still applicable to a believer's walk in understanding the true cosmology of the world that we live in. So, Noel, thank you so much for being here at Flat Out Insights. Thank you for having me. It has been, since I have been on your show, Take on the World, that was, I'm trying to remember, it was like probably October 2019 or the, the, the roundabouts, mm -hmm. and that was before the whole um, the the sippy cup pandemic, you know, and so um, <laughs> I mean that was a completely different world back then, and it just that feels like ages ago. So it's really good to be back. Thank you for having me. And uh, I was just commenting to uh, Michael Solomon before we started that this is the first time I've actually spoken to him on or off camera since uh, we were all in uh, Dallas together. So back yeah. in 2019. So this is and that good. is the one thing we have all in common is that we were speakers at FEIC, the final Flat Earth International Conference by Robbie Davidson. So 
We were speak we were all speakers at that and I, and I have to publicly apologize to Noel. Um Uh-oh, here Noel it comes. Was like, no, <laughs> here's why. So Noel was super super nervous. He's like, "Hey, you know, I don't think I'm going to have anybody in in for my talk. If you can sit in the front row for my talk, it would mean so much to me." I'm like, "Sure, man, no problem, not a not a thing." But here's the problem is that we spoke before um, uh, Noel. And so, you know, not that a ton of people came up to us. Um, I was getting introduced to so many different people and I just completely lost track of time. And I end up walking into Noel's presentation with about 10 minutes left. Uh, but I did walk all the way to the front. Uh, and probably cause a, a, a skeptical um, of, of myself, of course. But um, so I am sorry um, in front of everybody that I should have been there that whole entire time. So I for that. Thank you. Well, thank you for that. But uh, also, those are like uh, old wounds that uh, you're, you know, ripping the bandaid off there. And let us never speak of that again. That that uh, that talk I gave was, you know, I. I was, you guys talked on the history of Globe Earth, correct? I think it was like mm -hmm. the origins of Globe Earth and yeah. how it developed. And I was going to give a very similar talk, which would have been a little awkward if we, you know, you were right before me and, and I had to follow that. And it really was like probably three weeks, four weeks to go time. And I completely diverted my entire talk at the last minute. So I was talking to Robbie Davidson and we were going to, uh, we decided to do uh, kind of a Q&A on my book, which, you know, involved Patricia Steer and what she was going through at that time. So I go up there and it's supposed to be a Q&A. And I'm thinking if if nobody is going to ask questions, this is going to be a disaster. And this is why I needed you there, Chris, <laughs> to ask the questions. This is the yeah. context. Right? Your, your yeah. audience needs to hear this. So I, I asked a raise of hands. How many people in this room know who uh, Patricia Steer is? And I think maybe like three or four people raised their hands. I'm like, are you kidding me? We're at the flat earth. You guys don't know who she is. And I said, you know, raise of hands. How many of you know who Mark Sargent is? And I had maybe 40% raise their hands. Now, maybe some people were being stubborn, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm like, this is going to be a disaster. And uh, so I, I managed to get through a... Q and A, uh, in which nobody really asked me any questions. So, hopefully, you guys will ask some questions tonight. <laughs> we will ask lots of questions tonight. We will make up for that. Um, and I know that was, uh, you know, I know you threw up right before you went on stage because you were. So <laughs> no, oh, that was me. No, that yeah, was. That, that no, I was just kidding too. Um, I just I, threw up about three minutes ago before coming on here. I was so nervous, but no. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, you should be. I mean, this is Take on the World TV. We have so many more people watching than the Flat Earth International Conference, which you can go and see those presentations on. There is some obscure FEIC 19 channel that Robbie still has up, although it is so hidden to find. Um, it, it's, it's virtually impossible to find with the algorithms of YouTube without having the link. Um, you so, say yeah. that, you say that, but YouTube just to screw with my head, just yesterday, they did the very thing. They still throw up my video up on my, hmm. like, this is something that you might be interested in. I'm like, no, I, I actually have never watched my uh, presentation. 
And uh, but YouTube wants me desperately to watch it, so they, <laughs> they throw it at me all the time. Yeah, that was you know that was what what did you you know before we get into tonight you know how, that was your really that was your first probably first conference correct? That was my first time yeah giving anything uh, and I, I that's why I wish I would have gone with the slides because you know I could have just you know gone through it it would have been much more comfortable but that was my first time. Yeah. Was it your first like truther conference? Any of that stuff just to attend as well? No, I went to 2017. Uh, Flat Earth okay, conference. that's right. Was, that's right. Yeah, I went to the first one. You were hanging with Dean at that time. Well, you <laughs> <laughs> <I didn't, laughs> want to take me there tonight. Hey, I did meet him there at that conference. Actually, just quick uh, fun fact was it was at 2019 in Raleigh, the first time I found out the Torah was a thing. And I went there and there were all these people wearing tassels. And I'm like, like, who are they? Like, who wears tassels? That's a biblical thing. And uh, I had no clue that there was like this, this Torah, you know, observance thing. And, um, and uh, so it, it was from that conference where I started asking the hard questions. And it took me one year uh, to from November 2017 until February 2019, when my wife and I finally kept, uh, started observing our first Sabbath, and we went just full full Torah. So uh, yeah. it all started in Raleigh. Well, what you know, I, for the listener who maybe is unfamiliar with you, um, what's your biblical flat Earth cosmology um, light bulb moment when you realized you weren't living on a globe? Uh, well, it, it started, um, you know, okay, so I just had a beautiful baby daughter. Uh, her name's Rivka. She is almost three months old. And it's funny how the world, my, my worldview, my vision has changed dramatically from when I had my daughter. Uh, is, I'm in my young 40s now. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I'm a summer chicken. To when I had my twin boys eight years ago. And I was, when my twin sons were born eight years ago, I, I sat on the couch with, I was holding one of them the next morning. I turned on the news because I still watched the news back then. And uh, it, it was, I remember it was like Israel blowing up some Palestinians or something like that. And I wanted to cry. I'm like, I've got a baby now. Like, why can't you guys get, you know, you know, get your act together. And then, and then my entire worldview has changed now to where I have a daughter and I'm, I'm going this soul has entered the world with no previous knowledge whatsoever, just nothing. Like, I believe, you know, that I think that there's a case can be made that all, all uh, spirits were created on the first day, all right? All spirits. Mm. Uh, I think there's a case for that. And, and here I, I have, I'm holding this baby girl and thinking, man, she has been brought into this world of just pure lies. She, like, Yah has set up this system where we're underneath the firmaments and in piecing if we're worthy to be you know born again to 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 raise above the firmament be resurrected and so we have to navigate through nothing but just lies 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 and come to the truth and that's how my entire worldview has changed in just eight years uh so it was soon after my children were born uh, i remember you know it, when you when you come to the truth there, there's two there's two things that happen typically on a 10 scale with people one is that the truth brings people to despair and they hate it and it's ugly and it makes them feel icky and how could you make me feel this way? It can't be true because of how I feel. And then there's the other people 
who it brings them to joy. They just to see like all the lies be exposed and everything fall mm -hmm. away. And they're just like running with open arms to the father. And they're like, this is unbelievable. Thank you for showing me this. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so you see that crowd where it's like, you come to the flat earth and it's like, it's like eat, sleep, poop, flat earth for like six <laughs> consecutive weeks. Like their whole lives come to standstill. And um, so I remember the, for me, cause I was interested in the flat earth my entire life. Um, I first read the book of Enoch uh, probably 25 years ago or so. And I go, this is a flat earth book. This is what? And I didn't know what to make of it. Um, and, and it wasn't really making sense to me. And I started seeking out flat earthists online in, in 2004, I believe it was Daniel Shinton started the flat earth society. Now that that's a whole, you know, that's red flags for a lot of people, you know, what's going on with the, with the flat earth society. Um, Basically, Daniel Shinton, who has no relationship to Samuel Shinton, uh, took all of his research and, you know, he started his own thing. I actually went to his website and uh, it was like this this forum. And I'm trying to figure out what do these flat earthers believe? This is fascinating. I was fascinating that someone would believe the earth is flat. And I knew that they had to have the reasons. I went and searched there. I found nothing. There was like there was nothing, just a bunch of equations. And there was no joy, no, you know, it was just like boring conversations. And I didn't get it. So. It wasn't until, you know, obviously the Flat Earth Movement took off in 2015 uh, that uh, I was on a YouTube uh, video much like this. And and um, they were talking about the rapture of, of the, you know, and that was back when I was still looking into the, the possibility of a rapture. And someone in the, the comment section said the Flat Earth, the Flat Earthers have arrived. I'm like, seriously? Like, I saw these guys as like Jedi Knights. These were like legend, you know, myth, <laughs> you know mythological people. And I couldn't believe it that there was a flat earther in the same room as me. So I found out who this guy was. I approached him. And the first thing he said to me, he said, you're going to hell. And I said, why am I going to hell? Because he said, because you don't believe the Bible is true. The earth is flat. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, of course I believe the Bible is true. And, I, and now at that moment, I could, have, I could have said, see, this is rotten fruit. I'm just throwing this out. This is proof that the earth is a globe, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I was able to move past that. And I immediately just started to um, investigate it. And I remember the thing that did it for me was it, it took, you know, like, like a day of research. I mean, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't a big fight. Uh, I came across that sketch, uh, the 19th century sketch by the Zetetics that we're going to be talking mm -hmm. about tonight. And it was just that simple Hebrew cosmology, that pen and ink sketch of like the, you see the dome, the firmament, with the, the pillars, the deep, all that. And I, you know, heaven, I, I could, I could visualize everything in the Bible. I could see new Jerusalem coming out. I could see everything. And I just prayed right there. I said, is this, is this true? And it was just an immediate affirmation that this was legitimate. So um, it, for me, that just brought total joy. And, um, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been quite the journey ever since. So you, you came in um, through the text, through the history and then, um, you know, all of the other things, right? The the observable, um, you know, thing testing that was being done at that time, 2015, uh, the P900 coming out, the NASA fails, all of those things. Those weren't the reasons you came in. Uh, those became the things that just solidified you, through, you know, even more, right? That was the icing on the cake. Yeah, for me, it was always about what does the Bible say? That That's all that's always just uh, yah's word you know 
Yah is true, let every man be a liar, I think as Paul says. And, um, and that, that brings in tonight the Earth Not a Globe because I came across the Earth Not a Globe. I, I don't, people may have been talking about earlier. It was in, would have been the spring of 2017 when I first uh, encountered the, the, you know, the, the library photocopies of this newspaper from the 1890s of the Zetetics in, in Britain. And when I started reading this stuff, I was just fascinated because it, 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 it solidified it in a whole new way because, because I no longer felt alone. A lot of people, when they come into uh, the flat earth or the truther journey, they, you know, they don't know anybody else, right? They're completely alone. Sometimes they don't have a spouse uh, who's on board. I think, yeah, my, my spouse was with me the whole way. Sometimes, you know, maybe it's parents, children, whatever, um, all their friends abandon them, whatever. They, they're getting kicked out of churches. All sorts of things happen. And so when I saw that these people in the 1800s were having the exact same conversations, precise same conversations I was having online with people, I'm like, this is this is awesome. I mean, the other people are now. Obviously, there's a few differences uh, with the Earth, not a globe. They didn't have the space race yet. They didn't have Sputnik. They didn't have the Mercury, the you know, the 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 Mercury missions, the Apollo missions, and so on and so forth. But they're talking about the same scriptural passages and matched with just very observable science. Things that, you know, the same things you can go out and anybody can do. So. Um, for those of you, is it okay if I talk about it, Chris? I don't want Absolutely. to ramble. Absolutely. So what I'm showing right now is the things that you that you discovered. Uh, here, here are those 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 photocopies of of um, this publication that was uh, being uh, circulated. And you know, one of the questions that I, I had for you, and I, I know you'll get into this, you know, who was who was receiving this? Because these, this wasn't a book. This was an actual publication in uh, Britain being sent out. Who who was this? Who was receiving this? Um, you know, back then. Well, it's pretty on spot. Well, let me just say, it's just give everyone context of what yeah. I'm talking about here. Uh, I'm turning out a lot of books now and uh, selling them on my website, Unexpected Cosmology, and we're and I'm working with uh, an editor. Her name is Rebecca. Uh, she gets a lot of credit for this because Earth Not a Globe has been my dream project to get this made into a book form since I first discovered in 2017, and this made me passionate about writing myself, nobody else has done this. From what I've seen, nobody else has taken the time to lift this off of the, uh, the library photocopies and, and, and edit them into a book. And Rebecca has done a phenomenal job without her, this, without my partnership with her, this would not have happened. So um, this is, uh, I just lost my train of thought. Um, anyways, the Earth Not a Globe Review, it is. Uh, it was written by the uh, mostly mostly based in London. And one of the things that's really impressive about this is that there was no radio, no television, obviously no internet, and the Zetetics. But they didn't call themselves flat earthers back then. They were the Zetetics, uh, which is a branch of astronomy uh, that that you know basically says we're under a firmament, under a dome, and that the the ether moves in a circle around us, and the Earth stands fast. That's Zetetic astronomy. And these guys were networked all over the motionless plane. It, when you go through this newspaper, you're seeing them write uh, people writing from Australia, New Zealand, from Canada, Africa, India, all over. Uh, of course, from the Americas too. And and that that's incredible because they were the keyboard warriors of the time. 
uh, of the time. The same way we, I talk to people all throughout the day, they're writing letters to people and sending them off all over. And the one thing that characterized this uh, satetic people uh, in the 1890s that were unlike uh, the any decade before and any decade after until very recently is that these guys were very much keyboard warriors. Uh, they were uh, they were very aggressive, uh, almost militaristic, and they would try to. I'm not a I'm not a debate guy, and you know that, Chris. I don't I don't like debates. Uh, the Satetics, they tried to lure big name people into debates. Uh, they would, tr you know, try to get them like, oh, if you, you know, what are you, a coward? Why, what, what, you can't stand your ground, you know, it's all this kind of stuff. They would lure them in and they would do these public debates. Uh, one of I them, like my kind of people. One of them was uh, famously um, Darwin's uh, bulldog. Well, no, it wasn't Darwin's bulldog. Um, oh, man, I... I can't think right now. Oh, uh, um, Alfred, Alfred Russell Wallace. Uh, John Hamden ended up uh, basically debating Alfred Russell Wallace and doing a, a big contest at the Bedford Canal. Mm. Now, the Bedford Canal, anyone who knows a smidgen of flat earth history, the Bedford Canal was the um, it, it was the propaganda that globe earth Copernicans use against the flat earthist for up until the Sputnik. Mission, uh, mission and the Mercury. If you went to any public school, probably private schools too, from the 1880s and 90s all the way up into the 1950s, they were still saying proof that the Earth is a globe is that one is that you know Columbus sailed across the ocean. That that's proof. And uh, and two was the Bedford Canal that they proved that the surface of water is not level. Now what's funny is that these same people. Uh, who were making that claim all through the years, they can't make that claim anymore because it, now they'll say, you know, you, you got to go higher up and it's, you know, it's only flat because the, the globe is so big and all this kind of stuff. It, showing that actually by that admission, the people at the Bidford Canal were at least correct in that it was flat. Uh, that they, the, anyways, so this is how the, the flat earth movement got started. There was a guy named Samuel Wilbethon. His name is Parallax. And he was kind of like the, uh, I think this is a good analogy. He was like the Rob Skiba of his day. He was a guy who single-handedly, he started observing that, uh, that the earth is flat. He started making these observations, uh, wrote it into these pamphlets, eventually got made into a book. And he got a huge movement, a very powerful movement behind him. But he was like the only guy. He had John Hamden and a couple other guys. But when Samuel Robotham died, that was it. It was like it was like Walt Disney dying, you know, and the Disney company is trying to decide how are we going to move on without him, right? And his model was the Earth, not a globe. In fact, when he would go to public debates, you put big banners up, the Earth, not a globe. You would know that he's going to debate because he's got that there. So what happened was is that uh, John Hamden then died, and it felt like he was dead. And somebody comes along named Lady Blunt. Lady Elizabeth Blunt. She was a commoner in England who uh, the Blunts, the Blunt family goes way back to, uh, uh, I think, uh, one of the old kings, uh, maybe Charlemagne or whatever. But uh, they have a history in England. But she uh, she wasn't a Blunt. Of course, she married into the Blunts and uh, into, as we would say here in Cal uh, the South Carolina, she married into old money. And um, What's interesting about Lady Blunt is that she and all these flat earthists, a lot of them have 
very similar characteristics. They were cutting edge. It wasn't just that they were flat earthers. She was a Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, that was brand new. And that was, it's still cutting edge in the church. And, you know, people will say that's a cult, whatever, because you worship on the seventh day. Uh, but she was, a, she advocated the Sabbath. You see that all throughout her writings. She was very passionate about it. She was a vegetarian. All right. She, um, let me see if I can pull up some of her facts here. Uh, she was a vegetarian, which who in, in the 1800s was a vegetarian. She was, um, uh, let's see, what else? Man, I had these notes here. Oh, yeah, she was an anti-vivisectionist, uh, uh, meaning mm. that she, she was against cutting open any animals whatsoever for, uh, for makeup or testing. Or, and this is right when the, uh, the sippy cup uh, started getting uh, pushed around. I'm pretty sure she was uh, against uh, the grape juice. And uh, she, interestingly enough, too, to show you how cutting edge Lady Blunt was, she was president of the Society uh, for the Protection of the Dark Races. Now, uh, that sounds super racist today. Well, <laughs> I need to point out that the term racism started uh, by a guy named Pratt, who I'm actually, I think that Chris Pratt may be related to him. I know he's the same, I can't, I'm, I'm trying to link that, but a guy named Pratt. Now, this guy, Colonel Pratt, was the guy that actually uh, escorted Geronimo uh, to uh, St. Augustine prison, right? Now, Pratt had a, a saying. He said, save, uh, save, kill the Indian, save the man. Okay, so what did he mean by that? He mean that what he wanted to do was he wanted to conform all races into Victorian society. Uh, basically, like the public school system and others are doing today, the New World Order. They're all trying to basically, uh, you know, cut out all these people groups and, and kind of put them into this big old cauldron. So what he did is he coined the phrase racist. He said that if you're a segregationist, so in, in 1900 or the 1890s, if you were a segregationist, then we got to protect all the propaganda that's been pushed on us, uh, how they've twisted this word. A segregationist would say this, uh, I believe a Puerto Rican has a right to be a Puerto Rican uh, and they should have their culture of being a Puerto Rican. I believe a Native American should have the right to be a Native American. But what they were doing was saying, no, we need to kill the Native American in order to save the man within. And we need to take him to English schools and have him dressed in Victorian clothing. And that's what they were doing. So you see how cutting edge Lady Blunt was, that she's trying to save people groups. Uh, she's you know, uh, against the slaughtering, senseless of animals, all these things, all right? And these are all things that they're putting into this paper. Now, they first met in, uh, let's see, in 1892, and they met at a guy named John Williams' house, and um, they, uh, they, were all, they all shared the same commonality, Seventh-day Adventists, all this kind of stuff. The first paper came out in 1893. Now, in this edition, uh, the Earth Not a Globe Review, you can see there, the picture says volume one, and it says numbers one through eight, January 1893 through July 1894. Uh, the reason we decided to do those dates, there, there were uh, dates that went on beyond that, but uh, the, the editor, who, whose name is Zetetis, uh, or Albert Smith, uh, he basically came to poor health at the end of uh, episode eight. He stepped down. There was a big kind of regime change, and we thought, okay, this is a good place to cut it, cut it off, because if we do volume nine and on, the, the whole management changes. Lady Blunt was still behind it. Uh, and um, you were talking about some of the fan base. So let's see. Um, 
trying to find it. I got, you can see her, I have all these uh, notes here in front of me. Uh, oh, Alexander Gleason was a big fan. Alexander Gleason, of course, uh, I see Michael Solomon has the Gleason map back there. So uh, yeah. the guy who made that map, he was uh, reading their newspapers. Uh, another famous one was uh, uh, Bollinger. One of my favorite Rob Skiba moments was, I don't know if you guys recall this, where uh, someone was using Bollinger to prove that uh, that Rob Skiba was reading the flat earth text all along in the Bible. Well, and then, if we have time, because this is exactly what I was, I was, um, I have the video of that. It's a 10 minute video. Uh, we could pay homage to Rob if if we want to share that because I think this is such a that was such an unbelievable video. Um, without giving it too much, if if you know if we all agree, we could show it. I, I have it. Yeah, right. definitely. Yeah, absolutely. You want to do it? It's ten minutes. Yeah. Um, but it 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 really shows um, the ignorance of the church on this topic, and it shows um, how some of the most vital men that formed um, the seminaries of today, whether we agree with their theology or not, firmly stood we're right where we're at on this exact topic. Let me go ahead and, and uh, pull this up real quick. Give me one second. Um, okay. Give me one second. Um, I have it right here. Um, well, while you pull it up, I'll just yeah, say that um, up for me, uh, Lady Blunt, as well as Zetetis, Albert Smith, some of these guys, they were actually kicked out of the Seventh Day Church because they were passionate. They never gave up their passion for having people observe the the Sabbaths, and they were kind of into the feast, not like we are today. Uh, they recognized them. But they, uh, the Seventh Day Church was just starting out, and they were so embarrassed by this flat Earth thing. They're like, "We can't have these people in our church." They actually kicked them out. Hmm. Wow. So that's the same thing we're seeing today. It happened. It, it's always happened that way. I'm waiting for. It. <laughs> I'm assuming you're going to be pulling it up. So. Yeah, I am. I. I <laughs> um, this thing is not sharing properly. Give me one second here. Okay, here we go. Okay. I'm sure you heard that. Here we go. Okay. Boy, do we miss some Rob Skiba here. Hey, guys. Rob Skiba here with an ironic rude awakening <laughs> oh boy this is great so i recently ordered this package right here flat earth and the evolution conspiracy with michael rude and ken hoven 39.95 if you act now uh this is a dvd box set right here just came in and it's based on uh, a number of shows that they did on michael rude's shabbat night live television show uh, you can also see it on A Root Awakening is his YouTube channel name. And if you scroll down, the, the one that really caught my attention was this one here posted on uh, 
June 15th, 2018, The End Times and Judgment, Shabbat Night Live, 615-18. And this is the one where they start to really get into the uh, flat earth issue. Most of it, uh, the other stuff was really dealing primarily with evolution. And it's rather interesting to me that Kent Hovind's actually making the rounds with some um, odd fellows <laughs> uh, in terms of sharing different uh, ideologies from Kent. Uh, so here we have Kent, who is uh, pretty much a Baptist, I would say, uh, hooking up with a Torah guy. So we know Kent's not into keeping the Sabbath or the dietary laws or the feasts or anything like that. He's a King James-only guy. So here we have him paired up with Michael Rood. And also recently, and I'm going to do another video on this, uh, he did a video with Robert Sunjanus, who is a Catholic geocentrist. And, of course, Kent is very anti-Catholic and a hardcore heliocentrist. So, uh, yeah, he's making some interesting friendships. I suppose he's going by the philosophy, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And the enemy being flat earthers, those evil flat earthers were all trying to create some kind of big evil conspiracy to make the Bible look stupid and Christians look stupid and whatever. Uh, yeah, so Michael Rood, at about an hour into the broadcast, they let's see, they have a little commercial break here asking for money. And then at the end of it, Michael Rood comes on and basically says that, well, not basically, he tells you that you are a moron, an idiot, if you take the Bible literally. I'm going to do a whole, I'm going to revive the Theologians Gone Wild series that I started a few years ago, and because uh, it's just getting crazy. It is getting crazy out there with theologians. Now, everybody's taking the Bible as, as symbolic. It's poetry. The whole Bible's a poetry book. It's all symbolic, allegorical, metaphorical figures of speech. It's all about figures of speech. Well, I'll, I'll let you hear from Michael himself. Many people have asked me, do I take the Bible literally? You would have to be a complete moron to take the Bible literally. There are over 241 figures of speech that are used in the Bible, up to 40 varieties under each one of these figures. A, a brilliant scholar of the past, Rabbi Ginsberg, who was the one, the, the Hebrew brains behind E.W. Bullinger's work in figures of speech in the Bible, 1,100 pages cataloging not only the Hebrew, not only the Greek, but the Latin and English names of over 240 figures of speech. We have to understand these figures of speech because whenever a word or words fail to be true to fact, true to fact in the census world, they are always going to be figures of speech. And these figures of speech have been cataloged, they're known, and every language has different figures of speech that are utilized. And so to understand, to not, how, to not inaccurately interpret the word of God, we have to understand that the Bible interprets itself. It does so right in the verse, right where it's written. It does so in the context, not only in the context of what is written, but also in the cultural context. So the figures of speech emphasize. If I said the ground is dry, it's a statement of fact. The ground is thirsty, the ground doesn't get thirsty. It is a figure of speech that is more picturesque. It adds to 
the, 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 the understanding, you, you get a picture in your mind what it is for the ground to be thirsty, and I don't have to define it for you. You already know, you have a picture because you have been thirsty, and you know what the ground looks like when there's been no rain on it, in, in a desert area, the Mojave Desert. And he's correct. Properly used figures of speech should convey in the mind of the hearer something at least remotely related to whatever it is you're using as a figure of speech. Same with poetry. If you're going to use poetry or, or, or speak in simile or utilize metaphors, symbolic language, whatever you are saying should at least in some way paint a picture in the listener's mind what it is that you're trying to discuss. For instance, Isaiah says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? Hath it not been told to you from the beginning, i.e. Genesis? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretches out the heavens, the Shemaim, as a curtain, and spread them out as a tent to dwell in. Now we have the word as being used there. It's not there for the word circle, but for the tent, it's there, because he's, he's making a metaphor for you to think about. The heavens are stretched out over us like or as a tent. So we have a metaphor there. Well, in Isaiah's time, this would be a tent. If he's using a metaphor, people who are hearing his words would associate the metaphor. Okay, tent. It's a structure spread out over a flat surface. A tent. Modern times, something like this maybe. So that's just one of many examples that I could give. Obviously, when Isaiah used the figure of speech, circle of the earth and inhabitants are as grasshoppers and he spreads out the sky as a tent to dwell in. Anybody who heard him automatically thought, okay, yeah, a tent, you know, a structure stretched out over a flat surface. Nobody would have had this in mind. <laughs> Nobody would have even imagined something like this being the truth behind the so-called figure of speech being employed. But beyond that, this is where it gets comical, at least to me anyway. When you don't understand figures of speech, when you've never spent time with 1,100 pages that are uh, readily available uh, in any community, Baker Bible Bookhouse still, still publishes this. If you don't wanna take the time to do it, then you have no qualifications to really speak about these things in the Bible. Okay, so if we haven't taken the time to read E.W. Bullinger's book on figures of speech, we have no business talking. Uh, first of all, you, you're assuming that guys like me have not read it, which would be false. Uh, I haven't read the whole thing, but a friend of ours has it and has brought it to our Shabbat Bible studies, and we've spent time looking through it, certainly. Uh, but beyond that, this guy is saying there's hundreds of figures of speech, and E.W. Bullinger, who for many is an authoritative Bible scholar that people like to reference his work. He's done some great work. I actually love E.W. Bullinger for a number of things. I don't agree with him on everything, uh, certainly not on dispensation theology, which is surprising to me because he's a hardcore dispensationalist. And Michael Rood is uh, you know, a Hebrew roots guy. So that's kind of weird. But beyond that, clearly Michael didn't do his 
research while he's mocking everybody else. He's mocking everybody because we haven't read Bollinger's work on figures of speech. Okay, so he is, no, hear me now, he is touting E.W. Bollinger as an expert on figures of speech and the usage of figures of speech in the Bible. And he's using this as in the context of saying anybody who takes the Bible literally when it comes to the shape and nature of the earth and the cosmos is an idiot, is a moron. And yet, E.W. Bollinger, who wrote the book on figures of speech, was a documented flat earther. <laughs> oh, man, this is awesome. I'm going to put the uh, link in the show notes below. You can check it out for yourself. Somebody named Kevin Hobby compiled a whole bunch of newspaper articles from the late 1800s, early 1900s, showing how E.W. Bullinger was, in fact, a card-carrying flat earther, apparently regularly speaking on the topic. So <laughs> the guy who wrote the book on figures of speech in the Bible apparently didn't think circle of the earth was a figure of speech for the globe because E.W. Bullinger was a flat earther, Michael. Or for the King James only types out there. But TV, be more funny. You're muted, Chris. <laughs> that was, uh, I'm sorry, that, that took a lot of time, but, you know, I'll tell you, um, it was so worth it. Um, when that first dropped, it was, it was like that delicious moment we've all been waiting for, you know, when these guys don't even, they, 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 they mock us for not knowing history when they clearly have no um understanding of what people of the past believe right when it comes to martin luther or, or john calvin and their cosmology views right and, and down the road um so it was absolutely uh, just was like a uh, this was a home run when 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 rob put this together and um you know i i think you know this work that is being done just really shows that there's nothing new under the sun um this topic that was so vastly important then and even well before then um, because it just depicts what the word says and are we going to believe it or trust it? And I think, you know, what you're doing here with, with this, you know, review is bringing these things back into the, to the eye and hopefully people actually start to look at these things from a true historical perspective of what people that founded the faith that they may believe in, right? If they're dispensational and you're, and you're sitting there going, <laughs> it was crazy to believe that the earth was flat. Everybody that, you know, found your faith, you know, if you're a Calvinist or a Lutheran or you're this, they had a much different cosmology view and what, and, and stood on it and they were strong in it and taught it and believed it. And it was based only on the word of God. <clears throat> yeah um yeah <laughs> i agree that was uh good times i enjoyed watching that video with uh with rob skiva that was actually one of my favorite rob skiva moments so i'm really glad you showed that yeah it was amazing it was the it was yeah it's it's hard to watch 
Uh, but then yeah. you also take joy um, because we still have his work. It's still it's still readily available, still out there. And um, you know, as much as we miss him, as as hard as it is to hear his voice, um, there's also a soothing comfort um, because man, I think um, even though even though you know at the end maybe some of the things that you believe, Noel, he what you and him weren't seeing eye to eye. Um, and for most people who don't know, his last presentation that he was going to do at the at the conference, um, he called and talked to you about it. So, you know, because he said this is going to be in opposition of what you are, are believing. Right. So, you know, but um, I don't think you guys hated each other over that. I think it was, um, hey, I'm going to do this and I'm coming I'm coming after you for this. So. Yeah, and there was there was definitely some tension at the end. He was uh he was like totally um like <laughs> he was like sending me pictures of his like screenshots of like you know I'm gonna totally destroy your position and all this kind of stuff. And uh, <laughs> it, it just so happened that his best friend, uh I, I hopefully Rick Hummer won't mind me saying this because uh I've had Rick Hummer twice on my channel, uh, and he's a good friend of mine. Uh Rick Hummer, who is Robski was best friend for years. He, he's completely been on my position. And so I had someone in my corner with Rob and I'd be like, Rick, man, you need to talk to Rob about this. Like, you know, just let's, let's, you know, <laughs> let's cool things down before they go. Mm -hmm. So he would get on there and he would talk to him and that kind of stuff. So, uh, but yeah, I, um, it, there was between Rob and I towards the end there, uh, he, he was always, super um uh, helpful to me he was he let's see he was one of the first to bring me on his show to interview me and rob skiba was one of the guys that taught me that uh that you know everybody really you you can give everybody a a, a shot you know and uh I, I so i do i mean i i try to model that with a lot of other people i mean he brought me on to his show where i was talking about things that he completely disagreed with this was a few years ago now and uh, he was gentle with me and he wasn't, you know, there to try to, you know, take me down and that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, so I really appreciated that with Rob Skiba. He was the guy that I, I told this uh, the um, when we did the online like a um, uh, kind of a service, you know, after he died. Uh, I mentioned that he was the guy I got on the phone with when I went to Torah. And, you know, I discovered it in uh, Raleigh in 2019. And. He was the guy I called him up and be like, or I emailed him like, Rob, can, can we talk about this? He knew who I was at that time. He knew about some of my writings. He's like, sure. He invested that time in me. And by the end of the phone conversation, I told Rob, I said, Rob, you're right. I mean, I was throwing things at him like, yeah, but what about uh, Peter's vision of the of the animals on the sheet? You know, that you, you could just hear Rob laughing on the other end. He's like, yeah, I've been asked that question a thousand times already. Uh, and he just shot them all down. He was gentle with me. And at the end of it, I was I was thrilled. I'm like, dude, Rob, you're right. The, the Torah abides, you know. Um, so I'm very eternally grateful to Rob for uh, investing me in those ways, even though towards the end, yeah, we weren't. We were kind of at each other's throat a lot. Behind <laughs> the but, um. Well, let's let's j jump back in. So 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 some of these guys like Robotham was coming out. You know, um, you know the maps were being formed. They were being circulated. They were being used, um, as Michael always points out. You know how these things were actually, um, uh, you know, completely accurate as is, right? And you know, so um, go ahead and continue. You know, so this publication. 
um, is now being, uh, you know, with Lady Blunt is is now being widely circulated um, to what kind of audience? Well, the Earth Not a Globe was popular with uh, obviously flat earthists, but uh, the scientific community as well, and atheists and uh, evolutionists. And you have to keep in mind that their audience was the original generation of Darwinian evolution. I mean, this was brand new on the scene, people everywhere freaking out and running and embracing it, you know, and, uh, and so they're trying to, uh, one of the things you see with the Zetetics is that they, they had a sense of, um, I don't know if it's innocence or um, or what what you would call, it, but we see this a lot with uh, truthers today in the community where they really believe we're going to win. You know, all we need to do is we need to uh, speak sense into people, and and they're and it's like that's not how it's going to end. We know how it's going to end, and it's going to end in complete rebellion against the Most High, and it's going to take a, a total intervention from Yahusha at the at the very end. So. But you see this with them where they, they had, when they're writing, they had this idea that if we can just give logic to people, if we can give them just simple observations, then people will see, then they will know. And obviously we know that that did not turn out. And it's kind of sad that the, the paper was hot on the press in the 1890s. You see Lady Blunt into the early 1900s doing different variations of it and, uh, you know, different titles and so on and so forth. She at one point had a, paper called uh, Sabbath of Creation, or was a creation of Sabbath, in which it was a focus on the seventh day and uh, raising awareness of when the Sabbath truly is, you know, and uh, putting a bunch of flat earth material in there. But then by the time World War I rolled around, you know, Europe goes to the uh, goes to war in, uh, was it like 1914, 15 in there? Eventually, the United States was drawn in. It was over after that. You don't see anybody talking about it. Of course, World War II, th that entire generation, the World War II generation, they were completely... Um, well, I shouldn't say that. That's not fair. Okay, so let, let's put it this way. Imagine if uh, 100 years from now, uh, there are archaeologists that are trying to figure out what it was like in the year 2019 through uh, up to 2022. What were people thinking? You know, what was going through their mind? Well, if they were to uh, turn to the media, they're going to get a very false perception of what people were actually uh, thinking and, you know, going through their minds, as you guys know. I mean, a, a huge majority of us believe that, I'll, I'll speak for myself, everything in the media is a lie. They're lying about everything, all right? So 100 years from now, if people think that that's me, then they're going to be falsely um, representing me. I say this because it is a total miracle that we have papers like this. In, uh, in uh, the earth, not a globe. It, it's a total miracle that it was not scrubbed from history. I have spoken to so many people uh, since coming to Flat Earth that were like, uh, they, they were raised in a household where they watched the Apollo 11 moon landing mission in July of 1969. And they said that their grandparents or their or even their dad or whatever would just be laughing at it. And they'd be like, what? You know, they're mm -hmm. like a little, and they're like, why are you laughing at this? And they're like, because this is, this is like a movie set, or they, they, would, they would say that then, and which is pretty profound. So there was a huge, um, I, I believe, in, even in the 60s and the 70s, there was a, a, a sizable chunk of the population that was not accepting the official narrative, but the official narrative is not set up to show that side. 
they show the illusion of choice. They show you the left and the right, right? They, you know, that they will show you these different political opinions and these kind of things, but they're not set up to show um, the the true side. So that's why I say it's a total miracle that we have the Earth not a globe. Now I'm going to take this into. Um, <laughs> you can stop this anytime you want, Chris, and just you know hang up the interview, whatever. But uh, I, I'm a mud flutter guy. Okay, I, I believe that the mud flood is a legitimate uh, part of his story and that it was a huge worldwide reset uh, over a, a series of mud floods and fires and wars, the Napoleonic Wars and other things that kind of all happened around the same time. And so there's something very interesting going on when you look at the 1800s, all right, leading up to the Earth Not a Globe Review. And I, I look back at the 1800s, very similar to the 1900s, where it was just a big propaganda machine. It was just basically... You know, we're all afraid of these FEMA camps. We are living in a FEMA camp, all right? We are living in a walking nightmare where they are just lying to us and indoctrinating us night and day. And the 1800s was like that, where you see everything being invented in the 1800s out of nowhere. And you think of every ology out there, uh, you know, from archaeology, and you just go on from there. Um, think about all the extra biblical books that were discovered out of nowhere in the 1800s. Uh, Jasher, and you know, you just go down the list of uh, the book of uh, the Testimony of Job and um, uh, Joseph and Aseneth, and you can just go down all the list of these books. Uh, the writings of Abraham all came out of the 1800s, right? So there, there's something like I, when I read the writings of these people, of the Zetetics, Lady Blunts, and so on and so forth, it's, it's almost like there was something on their subconscious, all right? Now, I, I myself, I don't, I don't know if Copernicus existed. All right. Any more than if George Washington or Martin Luther existed. I don't know. But that, that's irrelevant, whether they existed or not. They're being fed this idea of uh, gravity is, is proven because an apple fell on Isaac Newton's head. Like that's literally what they were teaching. And there's this guy named um, Copernicus. You don't even see uh, Aristosthenes being spoken about back then. Like he wasn't a thing. I had a guy commenting to me recently. We're actually wondering if Aristosthenes was invented in the last 50 or 60 years. Um, it, it just he wasn't even really being talked about. But you you have these these flat earthists and they're going something is not right about about this narrative. Like there's we can't explain it. But it says right here in the Bible that, that the earth is not a globe and it's not spinning, wobbling, hurling through a vacuum of Kabbalah space. And, and that's just, it's wrong. And so there's something about like the subconscious that they weren't able to scrub um, ultimately the truth. Uh, now, keep in mind is that one of the things you don't see amongst these 1800s, um, you know, truthers, is that you don't see them, you know, outing the Freemasons. You don't see them, you know, talking about the Bohemian Grove and satanic sacrifices, right? There was a lot of things that had not been revealed about how truly evil society really was. Um, but they knew something was wrong, right? And there's some things that no matter how much they were lied to about, you know, history and society, you can't erase all of that. You can't get rid of that. That was, so, my, that was my mud flood rant. I, yeah. I just, so, oh, so, okay. Yeah. So, the, you know, that leads us right to these, uh, to these publications. Um, why don't you give uh, the the listener, you know, kind of what you have done, right? Because these weren't books; these were mailed publications going to people's homes. Um, 
And what, what did you actually do, you know, which is different earlier I showed um, in the, the, you know, right off the bat, I showed the actual photocopies of um, uh, those, the, uh, those publications. So what, what did you actually do um, in compiling all that? Yeah, the, to be a Zetetic, it was um, a whopping six shillings a year to be a part of the, uh, the society, so, which was actually pretty meager back then. What we did was I, I wanted to keep this um, as true as possible to the historic source. Now, when I'm doing a lot of my editing and I'm, I'm turning out a lot of uh, books like uh, doing proper names, you know, I'm releasing, a, you know, I've released like academic literature, pilot literature, uh, into volumes, you go down the list, Michelle Zedek literature and so on and so forth. You know, I, I, I feel that names are very important to, to say, you know, um, Yitzhak and Yaakov and Abraham, right? And, you know, Yahusha and so on and so forth. With this, what we didn't want, I didn't want to make anything politically correct. I'm not trying to tell people that you should be saying Elihim instead of God, right? I'm leaving it to their understanding. We're leaving it to, you know, Jesus in here. We're leaving to their original language. The only, the only, difference between what you will read on a newspaper page versus this book is the formatting, right? We're taking a newspaper page, you're going to have, you know, different columns going down, right? We're, we wanted to make this easy reading uh, on the eyes. So it's just like in book format, but you're going through every single word. You're going through the uh, the editor's comments, the, the, the people who are writing in, asking questions and the responses, uh, all the announcements for upcoming debates. And it, it is absolutely fascinating to uh, see just a day in the life of how they functioned. And, and so you're getting, um, you're getting historical facts and you'll see names in there like, you know, Bollinger just, just dropped in there like, hey, I know who that guy is, you know. Uh, and it's, it's exciting to see how they all knew each other. It'd almost be like if you're reading my mail and you, you hear like me, you know, mention like Chris Bailey and you're like, hey, I, I know who that guy is, you know. Um, and uh, be the only one, but hey, that works. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they go back and forth between scripture and observable science. Noel, I have a question before you go forward any further. Was there any documented proof that they, these guys actually got together sometimes? Um, not necessarily a convention, but like got together on a regular basis because, because they were contemporaries, right? Right. So obviously, like if you're living in Australia, New Zealand, you know, I mean, you're going to have to go on a, this is before engines and you're going to have to jump on a sail yeah, ship. Uh, right. But this is why most of the Zetetic Society was based out of London. Uh, they, Lady Blunt lived pretty close to uh, the Bedford Canal. She was able to get to London uh, by railroad and a lot of these people were. But yeah, so they would they would meet there in London. That was their headquarters. I think uh, the, the house of this guy named John Williams, not the musician from Indiana Jones and Star Wars, but uh, <laughs> he was, he, they seemed to meet at his house a lot. Okay. Okay. It was like the, fir the for first formings of what became super popular as the Flat Earth meetups. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was <clears throat> the same way with, um, Samuel Shinton, who uh, took a lot of the, he was British too, so he took the work of the Zetetics, and he was the guy, um, I, I would love to publish his work, but it's, I believe it's owned and uh, copyrighted still by the Flatter Society. Uh, you, you can read it online, but you can't publish it. Uh, but he, um, his, at his first Flat Earth meetup, 
he actually had astronomer Patrick Moore at his house. And Patrick Moore was the guy at the BBC. He was pushing the whole, you know, space, uh, uh, get the, the space race against Russia narrative. So that was kind of interesting. But yeah, yeah, they, they had meetups too. Okay. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, from that historical perspective, um, you know, so when Robotham, you know, you know, because he's probably the most famous for the Bedford level experiment, uh, the lighthouse experiments that's in, yeah. you know, his works. So when Lady Blunt took, you know, took this, um, what what's the time period in between Robotham's work and Lady Blunt's work here? Let's see. Okay, when was the original? I'm trying to think when the original um, Bedford Canal experiment was. Probably 18, maybe 1870s. Uh, but uh, Parallax, Samuel Robotham, as well as William Carpenter, some of those guys, they were they were basically Darwinian contemporaries. So we're talking 1850s, 1860s here. And then by the 1880s, they were dead, old, dead. And so the new generation or the, the transitional generation really was from the 1890s. And it was the last generation because from then, uh, the next Flat Earth movement wouldn't pick up until Chicago, uh, the city of uh, Zion, Illinois, uh, by what's his name, a, a, a Dewey or Dowie, um, who was, um, he was, <laughs> he was a bit out there. And uh, the the guy who uh, he was mentored by actually believed he was Elijah and that he would be uh, resurrected. And so uh, Dewey made sure to bury him in cement to make sure that didn't happen. But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so there was that whole movement. But, yeah, that was, that was kind of the, the – um, seemed to be the end of it with Lady Blunt. Like, there, there wasn't much beyond her until you pick up with Samuel Shenton again in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. And while um, – by the time you get to the 50s and 60s, um, you know, as I talk about in, in, in many of my presentations, you know, that is where, you know, geo, uh, the rise of geocentricity came on the scene when – they already knew scientifically that the that the earth um, did not move. We were the center of the universe, right? There was that whole group that was starting to form um, amongst uh, the biblical crowd, right? And that, you know, that all, you know, um, that formation that occurred then, you know, led us all the way into, uh, you know, uh, the 1980s um, when it be that the recent publication of something similar to Earth Not a Globe publication, the next thing that we have similar to that is the biblical astronomer, not flat Earth, but it was all in this geocentric camp. And they were they would have been much more like uh, Baptist. Uh, you know, the, the one guy still living, um, uh, Professor Gerardus Bio, um, uh, he retired in the early 2000s. Um, so I think he's in, he's got to be in his 80s now. And um, he created that biblical uh, astronomer and the, their website, geocentricity.com, uh, is where you can go and find over a million PDFs scientifically and biblically from uh, heads of astronomy programs of, of colleges, which, you know, to be honest, is nothing new, right? So you go back and look at... Um, these people of the, the, the 1870s through, you know, the, the turn of the century, um, these weren't just like average Joes, like, hey, we got a YouTube channel, 
we're going to start talking about flat earth. These were prestigious people, um, you know, uh, theologians. They were they were involved in science that, you know, they had uh, backing to what they, you know, actually had to say. Um, and so, you know, obviously this movement when it comes to, you know, 2015, you know, as, as Mark Sargent always says, you know, he, he didn't he didn't create flat earth. He didn't do anything but look at a door and point at it and open that door. That's, that's all he really kind of did. And, um, I think that was so fascinating, you know, where we're at today, but we're only where we're at today because of these works, right? Er, er, you know, when you go back and look at, uh, Eric Dubay's work, right. It would, you know, he's referencing all of this stuff. Constantly. You know, yeah, yeah. Constantly. And he's an, as an atheist, right. As he is, mm -hmm. all of these men in the 1800s, were men of scripture. They were men of the Bible. And uh, that is so fascinating. I think for anybody listening um, that, that calls himself a believer, um, and, and you do not look at this historical perspective of all of these things and, and, and try to disassociate your mind from the science being pushed at you, the lies being told to you today, and actually just read the word for what it says, it tells you something much differently. And I, I try to always encourage you guys to do that um, because that is really the foundation. That's why I'm so happy, you know, Noel said, um, you know, I came in because of what the word said. You know, Michael came in because he, he backdoored his way and saw the evidence, then was like, oh, you, oh, you fool. The, the Bible had the answer the whole time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I did it the opposite direction. And I used to actually say, hey, I read the Bible literally. Yeah, right. Um, so, so once I heard Mark Sargent's videos, then I knew the earth was flat immediately after the 11th video. Then I read it in Genesis. So, um, so yeah, we, we all come to it differently. I, as a as a young man, see, I grew up in the um, kind of the young earth creationist movement. And and Chris, you were slightly different. That you were in the the geocentric movements, which you know, we went over that. You know, in the interviews. For anyone who doesn't uh, remember me, uh, I'm the guy <laughs> that interviewed Chris a few years back about his uh, his he, his and Liz's uh, upbringing in the uh, geocentric movement. But I, so I grew up in the Young Earth Creationists, and back in, in the 80s, uh, by the way, just so everybody knows, the Young Earth Creationist movement is so brand new, you're not going to find any Young Earth Creationist books, uh, you challenge me on this, but uh, I have never found any that predate the Apollo missions. That's how new it is. Mm. It's, 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 it's not any older than 50 years old. Uh, and what, what ha happened was this guy named Dr. Henry Morris comes along during the Apollo missions, and he says... Uh, we're going to, um, because the church had almost unanimously either given themselves to um, evolution or some of the, uh, this stuff at that time. And he says, we are no longer going to uh, give ourselves to the natural revelation of geology. We're going to throw that out. But we will hold to the natural uh, revelation of astronomy. Meaning what Morris was saying with the Young Earth Creationists is that we are going to hold to the Bible in all respects except for astronomy. We're going to let science decide what we believe, not what the Bible. Uh, this is what the whole the whole Zetetic argument. So they, they all sprung up. Now, in the 80s, when I was a child, 
But the big the big thing that was still being discussed, it was really a hot topic in the 70s. I missed it. I kind of got the rear end of it, was this idea of the firmament. What is the firmament? The belief was is that it was this canopy, kind of like a frozen uh, – Kent Hovind, that was his whole shtick. That was like a like mm-hmm. a like an ice canopy that he says that it was destroyed in the flood. It created the flood. That was the waters above and that the, it's no longer there. Well, that's a problem then when we read in Psalms, you know, that it's still there, right? That the mm-hmm. firmament did not go away. So I would be there as a teenager in the 90s. I remember I would look at the word firmament and I would be like, what is this? I would go around and ask. And I remember I prayed to you. I said, can you please show me what this means? Tell me what this means. And mm-hmm. it was something that he answered years later. He answered that prayer. It was the same thing when, um, you know, I, I prayed over uh, like the, 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 the great deception that Paul talks about. I'm like, what is this? I don't want to be deceived. Show me what it is so I don't, I'm not deceived. And I believe that was the answer, too, with, with the Torah. Uh, his instructions are righteous li- uh, living. The Torah abides. So, um, but this is something that, yes, scripturally, I've been trying to come at my entire life and understand. And uh, I just don't get it. I don't get it when some people, it brings them to, well, I do get it. I, I need to back this up. And I actually said this at the Flat Earth Conference that um, it was one of the, if you watch the video, I'm sure it was in there, where I said that, it's not hard to get someone to look at scripture and see what Hebrew cosmology is. That's not the hard part. The reason why people don't want to accept it isn't because they love the globe. This isn't, this has nothing to do with the, this argument has nothing to do with the shape of the earth. It's not about whether it's a globe or it's flat. The argument is over um, what is contained within the globe because people, they, when they see that the earth is flat, it's like looking into this dark hole. And it's abysmal to them because they look at the globe and they see everything in the globe that they have to, they want to hug it to their bosom and they don't want to give it up because they they know if they give up the globe, everything goes with it. It's a Pandora's box that just opens up everything. It has led me to the the truth of the Torah. Um, It has led many people to that. And that's, that's what this is really about. It's, you know, like I said, it's the, the flat earth itself is the stepping stone to so many other truths that uh, y'all want to show us. Now, and I'm not, I'm not stating that the flat earth is a salvation argument, all right? Now, some of the Zetetics, they'll be, they'll be really upfront and be like, yeah, I, I'm questioning your salvation right now. Like, they'll be pretty upfront about that. They're like, you don't believe his testimony, you don't believe the Bible, uh, blah, blah, blah. The thing is, is that it was kind of like a, it was almost like a, like a test. When, when, when Yah revealed the flat earth on a massive scale in 2015, it was, it was a, a lot of us at the time, it was this really happy, joyous time. And we were, we were kind of like, this is like a honeymoon going on right now. We knew something was coming. We didn't know what, nobody had any clue. Like when I was on your show last Chris, we, we had no clue that, uh, <laughs> that what was coming, what, you know, that the whole pandemic was about to befall. But the thing was, is that by that time, I'm convinced that almost any major pastor in America was confronted by some punk in their church who confronted them with the flat earth. They had an opportunity to embrace it. They all mostly rejected it. And there's something to be said about that, how they then closed the doors to their church. You know, Mm -hmm. it it shows that they did not have faith. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. They were not exhibiting a faith in the most high. They were exhibiting a trust in science and in man and in their opinions, the science that keeps changing. 
Um, and uh, it showed. It showed in their actions. And this is why it's like it, it came along perfectly when it did. And so many of us were saved from making some irrevocable uh, decisions, which obviously, you know, I don't want to trigger the censors, but uh, you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I would say I would say 99 percent, 0.9, 99.9% of people who came into uh, biblical cosmology before 2020, they weren't buying any of the lies that were being told them. Uh, they were looking at uh, all sorts of other things. And ironically, I will tell you this. What 2020 did, we've gotten so many testimonies of people who would make fun of us, call us crazy, because that we, we actually took a stand on what the word said in science and, and, and show them NASA fail videos and all these different things and go, look, we're being lied to. Like you could, you could, you could say, you know, what's happening in the chat is a crazy discussion. Um, but what's happening over there is, you know, hey, you can't answer, you know, the very reason why the majority of people, not everybody's like, no, who just hears something. No, we're seeing wires, green screen, uh, you know, glitches. We're seeing this stuff. And we're going, this doesn't mean, and I always say this, that doesn't mean that the earth is flat because astronauts are on wires and there's clearly green screens, you know, you know, and, 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 and complete, you know, you know, uh, fabrication of, of photos, manipulations, all of these different things. It doesn't prove that the earth is flat. It proves that they are lying to us. And, and if, if you are so blind to say, you know, I, I want those people to at least be honest and look at that stuff and say, Hey, Earth may not be flat, but they're lying to us about something. It, it, you know, it's just like when you start looking at the story of, of 9-11 and you start seeing, you know, there's no way possible two planes can take down three buildings at free fall speed in their own footprints um, uh, and, and go to complete rubble. It, it just it's in. It, it, look, we, we don't we don't have to go on the, the limb and say, you know, George Bush did this and, and, you know, this happened over here. But you can say they're lying to us. The official story is fabrication. There is a lie. And if you start there of just saying, hey, we've at least been lied to. But most of the people, they can't do that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and most, you know, you come to find out and, and I, you know, hopefully I'm offending people is most people um, that that, um, you know, that aren't biblical. Um, that oppose what we believe, um, nine times out of 10, they are staunchly liberal and they ironically believe every single thing that the government tells them, unless if it's coming from a conservative. Anything that comes from a conservative part of the government wing is a complete lie and a, a farce and a hoax. We won't touch Trump's, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Operation Warp Speed with a ten-foot pole. But that same Operation Warp Speed, when Joe Biden is in charge of it, is the is the greatest thing, and we're going to sing songs about it. And they're all going to take it. And they're going to take seventeen or eighteen of them by the time their life is over, and they will continue doing it, even though they won't be able to live long enough to take seventeen or eighteen of them. No. <laughs> yeah, what what you're describing is what I call the illusion of choice. Mm -hmm. um, so a great analogy of this is in The Wizard of Oz. And 
uh, Dorothy, everyone, everyone knows the story. She's got to get to the wizard. She, she has a decision to make. Is she going to side with the Wicked Witch of the West or Glinda, which was the uh, Witch of the, the South, I believe. And, you know, obviously she goes with Glinda, who's apparently the good witch. The, the thing is, though, is that they're both witches. They're both witches. It's one is the, the white magic, the other is dark magic. And you could choose your weapon, you could choose your magic. But at the end of the day, it's just the illusion of choice. Um, that, that's at least my whole philosophy. Uh, I, I, I'm not even going to take a, <laughs> I'm not even going to take Trump's side because um, it's there. This is what I pointed out earlier in this interview that uh, they're, 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 the media is only set up a certain way to give you uh, so many options, but it's never the right option. It's, it's. Uh, this is why I said it was a miracle that this paper existed to begin with because I know for a fact. The what I the example I used was that I know for a fact that there were many people all through history who uh, believed that the earth was flat, but we're not told about those people. They're they're never in the news. They're not in the media. It just it's it's not set up that way. So um, yeah. So so let's get back to the book real quick. Um, so in this book, you cover volumes one through eight of these uh of this publication um what kind of things are, are you going to learn in there what is applicable in there other than you know interesting historical aspects of how they you know coerced with one another like you mentioned what what applicable things are there right in you know that still apply today because you, you mentioned a lot of these are the same arguments uh, a lot of them are dealing with you know uh, things that i've read in the past you know they've had these same arguments with with pastors of churches, right? They went into those, as you mentioned, you know, before the, the, the pandemic, you know, somebody was probably approached in those churches with someone with biblical cosmology. Well, they were doing that back then and documenting these discussions, right? So what, what kind of things um, is somebody going to be able to uh, see and, and really uh, have applicable in uh, volumes one through eight in this review? Well, as I pointed out before, there's a lot of dis discussions of scripture and they take you th through and they show you the cosmology. They, they'll have like a whole article on uh, the, the sun standing still. And that's actually that was a two part article that they did over two papers. Uh, they'll do that and then they'll do the the, uh, you know, our uh, articles on perspective at sea and uh, and lighthouses and, you know, all those kind of things and showing just basic observations that anybody can go out and do. And what it, what is humorous about this is that you had the evolutionists, the, the, the elites, so on and so forth. They're out there disproving, uh, you know, all their arguments. And if you go to the Wikipedia pages today, which is all, you know, in my opinion, Intel run, uh, they they will tell you how like if you go to like Lady Blunt's Wikipedia article they'll say she was you know passionate about her belief but she was misguided right she was provably wrong by science she was she was not credentialed with science well the thing is is I said this before is that the same things that they were pushing are now provable that like like for example the ship disappearing at sea nobody nobody who is credentialed can use that argument anymore. You know, the, the according to official history, when Globe Earth was start, starting with Aristosthenes, you know, and he was in Alexandria, a lot came out of Alexandria, and he, you know, got a friend and a couple sticks, and he 
measured the breadth of the earth. And then I think he tilted on its axis and so on and so forth. Uh, so in Alexandria, they have their famous lighthouse and they were the first, again, I'm quoting official history. I have to say that for my, my readership every time or else they call me out on this. Uh, <laughs> they would, um, uh, every time I talk about the past guys, I link, link uh, official history. Uh, they would they would get on the lighthouses and they would they had the observation that the ships disappeared at sea, right? Now this has been so thoroughly debunked by this time that it's almost humorous watching people kick and scream at the eighteen in the eighteen hundreds when the flat earthers are just pointing this stuff out and the and the glow people are like you're wrong you know we're proving you wrong and it's just like all their arguments on why the earth is a globe were debunked they didn't have good arguments. You know, this is what this is what people need to understand is that taking away from flat earth for a while and taking it back to your uh, neighborhood, Chris, is just geocentricism. Mm -hmm. Geocentricism was kicking butt. They were winning every single argument. The the um, one of the reasons why the Bedford Canal was used for propaganda. Is when Russell Wallace, he actually he won the wager. They had a judge there. The judge called it in Russell Wallace's favor, and um, in return, he was uh, he was called a cheat, and there was a lot that was going on, and um, it was uh, John Hampton who actually ended up going to jail for it. He actually ended up in prison over the Bedford Canal, and this became the propaganda piece, the only propaganda piece really that they were pushing to prove that the Earth was a globe because the Bedford Canal was was rounded apparently and the water was you know convex or whatever which anybody knows in the right mind is absolutely wrong but the geocentrists were winning on every front showing that the ether was moving and not the earth every single scientific experiment so what they had to do was is they had to bring a guy named einstein along and einstein crushed it with his popular formula that you know was relativity and none of that mattered anymore. It didn't matter what all the geocentrists, what all the flat earthers were saying because relativity, that, that's it. It's kind of like, it's the same thing with Isaac Newton, but gravity, right? Yeah. You got gravity, which there's no formula for gravity. It's pure magic. There's no formula. And of course- uh, Although they have, they have supposedly, they have meters that can test it. <laughs> We've never seen these meters. Never seen one. I've never seen them. Uh, so a couple interesting things about Einstein is that apparently there are a few people on this earth right now that can actually understand uh, his formulas. And, you know, we're all supposed to take their word for it. Now, I have heard this rumor on the pipeline and I can't prove it yet. And I would like to. So I feel weird kind of dropping this in here now. But I, it has been brought to my attention that uh, Einstein may have been a closeted geocentrist. That he in fact knew uh, that the Earth did not move, um, but he was obviously a, a shell. He was paid to do what he did. I mean, that's so obvious. You know, the Time mm -hmm. Magazine would make him the person of the century. I remember when that article came out in 1999. They made him the person of the century, as if there is no agenda there. You know, there's well, no propaganda, nothing. Was his was his wife the one with all the smarts? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I I've heard Einstein had a difficult time tying a shoe. Um, but uh, I, I no doubt the guy was brilliant. I mean, the guy, anyone who could, anyone who could come up with something and convince the entire world that, uh, in, in Einstein's words, that the wagon wheels weren't moving, the earth was moving. 
Like that's relativity. Anyone who could convince the world of that is is a genius, in my opinion. The guy was the guy was a genius. And somehow Dr. Anthony Fauci, with the press that he gets, will become um, uh, this and the man of the century of the 2000s um, somehow, Be you know, because he's he's just like him, just some type of shill. Yeah. Right? And talked about, you know, the, the 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 way the narrative set up is that I would imagine that Anthony uh, Fauci, Fauci would be one of the most disliked people on the earth. If you were to do any real survey with real people, he would be on the top of the list. And I, and I have no doubt in my mind that they're going to push, you know, his greatness into the children's <laughs> thinking. Mm -hmm. The one thing that struck me about Einstein, though, is he never created anything. Okay, what he did was he created mathematical equations that supported concepts that had no bearing in reality. But he never created anything solid, you know, anything real. And but for some reason that seemed to fly over people's heads. Well, all I know is is that uh, people have accused me of being a cult leader, which is kind of a running joke in my community. <laughs> they refer to me as the worst cult leader ever because if I try to convince a room of any people to pass around the Kool-Aid, I would never be able to do that. <laughs> uh, guys like Einstein were able to do it. So yeah. uh, bravo to his genius, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put up, um, um, you know, where people can get this. Um, Cause I think this is, you know, this is, this is one of those, um, you know, cause it's, it's amazing you know, we've referenced, you know, me and Michael, we've been doing shows, um, you know, since, oh boy, um, is this our fourth, is this our fifth year, Michael? I believe it's our fifth year, yeah. Okay, so. Long time. We've been doing this for quite some time, and, um, you know, we've used, you know, uh, this, the Earth, Not a Globe publications, and we've yeah. put certain things out of there. You know, mm -hmm. this is for the first time ever you could own this as a, a compilation style book. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for everybody who, on two fronts, you know, history lovers, I think this is amazing for history lovers. Mm -hmm. And obviously for, for those of us who believe the earth is flat and those of you who are trying to disprove and make biblical cases that the earth is a globe, you better learn what we actually believe in what has been taught and believed without NASA, right? How do you defend um, the globe model without NASA? Well, do, do you have any argument without NASA? NASA is your reason why you view the scripture one way. NASA is the reason why you view science one way. So if you it takes NASA out of the equation... Um, this is the time period when, like I said, they were kicking butt on these debates, these discussions, uh, mm -hmm. the science, the revealing what the, the word was actually teaching in this. And um, so, you know, I encourage you guys, you know, to pick up a copy of this because um, this is this is going to be one of those, you know, great historical pieces that can now live on 
um, and not in a photocopied version that's floating around online. This is something tangible you can have in your home for when they do remove that. We have yeah. you can still own this and have this. Yeah. So yeah, I wasn't sure if you're going to show where they can get it, but uh, did you? Yeah. Want well, if you look down below, um, right there, it's been scrolling down there. Earth yeah, Not review, right there, volume one. It's available at theunexpectedcosmology.com. Um, now well, that's that's a. Uh... Yeah. Me, I didn't think look at, yeah, I have a, a, a shop there with a lot of different um, books that I've personally edited or that I've worked with my editor, Rebecca, and, and uh, we're coming out with a lot more. I mean, we're, we're looking down the, the pipeline here and bringing out a lot of text. And, 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 I'll, say, and I'll say, you know, you, you're a writer yourself. So you do, you know, not only do you um, publish these, you also, you do lots of articles on your, uh, on your site. Um, then again, you know what we were talking about. We may not all agree um, on everything that we, you know, that we discuss or talk about, and I think that's okay. Same thing with your article. So in no way is this saying, "Hey, take on the world supports every single article." Those are open for discussion and debate, which we're going to be doing. And this is a great opportunity to plug once again um, the virtual conference that's going to be coming up November seventeenth through the twentieth, right here. Take on the world TV. Uh, we're going to be doing um, everything from uh, talks that are going to be uh, dealing with uh, discovery. So things that, um, you know, presentations like the biblical cosmology, um, new things that Michael's going to be working on to uh, things that are dealing with discipleship, how we disciple one another. They have absolutely nothing to do with tonight's topic, but they're so vastly important for the body. And then that final day on the 20th, we're going to be uh, doing discussion debate style. And uh, one of those topics, Noel Hadley happens to have those on his site. And that is the, the we're going to be doing the futurism versus uh, the millennial kingdom already occurring and happening. And uh, he talks a lot about things like mud floods. So a lot of great information just to dig into different topics, different ideas, different things. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be absolutely a blast. Um, and so somehow we'll get Noel to do something, um, which what I'm, what I'm thinking to do with Noel is a show that I'm not going to mention. Me and Noel are going to do it, and um, we're going to be. I'm on the edge of my seat wondering what this yeah, is. Yeah, <laughs> um, but we're going to be talking about Paul, and um, so yeah, so we're we're going to do that show. Um, maybe we'll do it and air it during the conference. So I think that would be good. Is uh, um, you know questioning Paul, right? You know, and what the outcome has occurred for Noel, not going to give out any spoilers or anything. Um, I'm going to leave that to you going cringing in your seat or applauding in your seat, but it's a very fascinating story. And we're going to go over some, some texts and some things. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to do that maybe before the conference. If not, it'll air after the event. So see now I finally figured out what I'm doing wrong and I, I look at a lot of uh, different content providers out there, YouTube channels and so on and so forth. And just so everybody knows is that, uh, you know, I am first and foremost a writer. I, I spent a lot of time writing. And in fact, my YouTube channel, it's just me reading my own stuff off that you can read for yourself. Some people would rather, you know, hear me uh, 
read the book to them for uh, night night time, uh, you know, while they go to sleep, and, <laughs> and other people want to read from the page. I like reading from the page, but, but I realize what I'm doing wrong is that any good business or whatever you 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 keep it minimal. A good example of this is In and Out Burger. If anyone has ever been to In and Out Burger, I no longer eat mammals, uh, but I, I will say that it's the one thing I miss because I love an In and Out double cheeseburger. It's like one of the greatest things ever. If you go to In and Out, they have you have a hamburger, a cheeseburger, or a double cheeseburger and fries. They have nothing else because they do one product really well. And so if I were, what I think the mistake I made is, it's not a mistake, I'm kind of being a little facetious, is that when you go to my website, uh, I try to encompass my entire worldview in there, all right? So there's, it, the, the more the more information you put up about yourself, the more reason you have to be disliked all right another good example of this is the, the the honeymoon the honeymooner game whatever uh i've learned that if you were to go on the honeymoon game and you're trying to get information about your spouse i've been married for 20 something years i will lose every single time to somebody who's been married for two or three months because they have less information to go off of which means they have fewer answers right so the more you read of my stuff, the more you're going to disagree with things. And that's just, that's the human experience. Uh, because I, you know, I cover, I cover uh, scripture. I put a lot of focus on there to uh, uh, try to understand the Torah, trying to read through books of the Bible. Uh, but then I talk about modern political events uh, and conspiracies. And my, you know, my understanding is that everywhere, we're being lied to about everything, everything. I question everything. I don't believe jo John F. Kennedy was ever shot. I, I believe that's a lie. Uh, I don't believe he was ever assassinated. I don't believe RFK was assassinated. I don't. I don't believe Jim Jones passed around the juice. Uh, I think that that was a, just an intel hoax on a stage. Uh, I, I question everything, and so I have that. But then, of course, I go into the mud flood. And but I but I believe the Bible's true, and that's where I want to let everybody know is that we live in a world of lies. But proof to me that um, that well, one of the things that makes Satan so real to me is that uh, he cannot accuse us unless we have the truth. We, he has to give us the truth. To do the most damage, he has to give us the truth and then lie to us about it. So this discussion about globe versus flat earth is a perfect example. He gives us the book of Genesis, and then he says, you're an idiot for believing that, right? He gives us the law, the Torah, and says, no, it is Yah's will. It is God's will that you disobey that. That's what he wants for you, right? Because if we don't have the Torah, if we don't have the truth, then we have a way out because we can go tell Yah, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Like you, you lied, you didn't give this to us, right? Um, and so that's what I want to just let everyone know that I believe that the Bible is true, that that leads to all my convictions. And if we disagree on some things, great. That's, that's, um, I love when people have other positions because it gives me something to fall back on when well, I'm when I'm wrong about something. So, well, we've been, we've been able to well we've been able to remain friends even when I don't agree with you on certain things and you don't agree with me on certain things and you, you know so wait, then again I'm I'm not wait wait, I'm not, wait, 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 wait wait I disagree with you on things but you disagree with me on things <laughs> <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I I thought I was being tolerant but I don't know if I could put up with this anymore yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us tonight. No, just kidding. Um, and uh, yeah, so 
Um, yeah, so I'm going to encourage you guys to get the, uh, of that. And so what I want to do um, uh, for a short time here, we're going we're to go into uh, let Noel go into something a little interesting because um, uh, somebody had mentioned something here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow him uh, to, to talk about this because he had talked to me a little bit about before the show. And so we're going to talk about the moon. And so he was I know I know who put that in there. I know yeah. I know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So so let's go ahead. Let's uh, let's discuss the moon. And uh, Michael, let's uh, you know we've done we've done whole shows on the moon before. We had you know Rick yeah. and we've done some really cool stuff. So um, yeah, go ahead and uh, talk about what we were talking about before, Noel. Well, uh, Michael Salmon has behind him here, and I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, I love that I'm talking to Chris and Michael, but my whole name is here, Noel Joshua Hadley, so it's not <laughs> Chris Daly, you know, it's just, but it's Noel, but anyways, uh, behind Michael over there is the, you can see the Gleason AE map, and uh, what, what, I have never, coming into the flat earth, I, I mentioned that I came into it with this idea of Hebrew cosmology. It's a simple pen and ink sketch that some of the Zetetics had talked about. That was my map. I, I never settled on a map. Uh, I liked the AE map, but I was never completely uh, sure about it. But what's interesting about the moon map, all right, and this idea that the, the map of our realm is on, it's imprinted on the moon. The AE map is, is there. It's actually, it's, what, what you see is you can see the AE map, uh, but it's a smidgen of the greater reality. It's only about a third of the greater realm. The Earth is much larger than that. And so if you can imagine where, uh, you, you know, you can't, um, in order to go to, let's say, Africa, uh, and I'm on the East Coast, I have to go uh, up to Europe and then you know back down to Africa because you don't go right across the the water because on a globe it looks like you can but you can't really do that because it's further right and we could talk about the flight paths and all that kind of stuff well the way it works on the moon map is that um, the I think it's right I'd have to look at it but it's right here on the east coast where it opens up and you can keep going further north and further north and further north and it opens up into these huge other continents. And it's one of the things we've been um, looking at recently, but let me just backtrack here. So my, my theory on this is that when you're looking at the moon, uh, it, is not, it is not a reflection of the earth. I do not believe it is a live reflection of the earth. I believe it is a, um, some sort of negative image it's a, it's, you're actually looking at a neg- negative photo. So for those of you who've been around since before digital technology, I, was, I used to be a professional uh, photographer, a wedding photographer, and I got my start in a, in a dark room, actually you know, exposing the film. And you would look at the, the, the rolls of the negatives. And so my face, you can imagine my face, my, my, um, you know, it would be all dark. And then anything like my eyes that are kind of dark, that would be white, right? It would all be opposites. You, my, my, my goatee here might be white and my skin dark. Well, it's the same thing with the moon. It's a negative image. And so you could see all the, the, the white areas of the moon would actually be dark areas and all the dark areas would be light areas, right? And my theory is, is that Somehow, I don't know who held the camera or how this worked, or it was, you know, captured in, you know, a, a high energy moment. Uh, it was burned into it. But on the probably on the fourth day of creation, 
is when it happens. And whatever the, the signet ring, the seal of the earth, what it looked like at that time, it was documented. Um, so it's not, you can't, when I say the AE map is on there, it's not perfect because the land uh, forms have changed a little bit and there are continents that are missing. Like, uh, it, it sold me on Atlantis. Well, actually, the I was sold on the moon map because it had Atlantis on there. You could see missing continents that are no longer there. But what's fascinating is, is there's a there's a YouTube channel called Vibes of uh, Cosmos. And he, every video he does, he just spends all his waking hours uh, looking at the AE map and then looking at the moon map and measuring distances. And one of the things that uh, I think we've had wrong as flat earthists is that there is not a, 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 an ice ring around us. Uh, it's not a solid ice ring. What it actually is is a bunch of continents. There's probably a dozen, um, what we call Antarctica is one continent. It's actually a dozen different like islands and continents and huge places. And th this guy, Vibes of Cosmos, has actually measured them all to where the governments say their bases are and stuff, and they all match up. It's absolutely incredible. There is the 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 moon map is, um, in my opinion, is the most legit thing that's come to flat Earth. Um, and so we have a huge uh, section of land up in the north, way past the North Pole. You got to keep going north, and uh, it is, you know, the question is, is what is up there? right it's is it the light of yahusha that's making it glow is it in total darkness is it just ice are there two suns i've 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 talked to people who speak hebrew and i've asked them i said in hebrew are there two suns can there be a possibility of two suns are the translators recording this wrong and they said i've had people say yes that is a very much possibility when it the language constitutes between the suns plural between the suns right are we seeing two suns in, this, in our sky instead of one there's all these questions I have about how big our realm is. Uh, but that's kind of the moon map in a nutshell. And also, let me just say, we talk about the hidden wilderness a lot. Uh, we talk about, it's mentioned in Enoch, it's mentioned in Second Ezra, when New Jerusalem comes down and it says that the hidden wilderness will be revealed at that time when New Jerusalem comes down. Um, I think that that's the hidden wilderness that it's talking about. When you look at all through ancient history, from uh, like Arthurian literature, like the, the Pearl... Um, you look at um, uh, e even uh, Admiral Byrd's accounts and all these different things. There's all these different stories about uh, uh, what even the people in the Middle Ages and beforehand believe what was called the Lord's country. This is where C.S. Lewis talks about Aslan's country. There, there was a land to the north way past uh, Hyperborea that was actually lit by the light of Yahusha. And it was the place of it was like the place of paradise on Earth. Um, and so all these stories now have my interest and in, and in, in looking at that. So but, but let me throw one more thing in here at the, the moon map while I have you guys' attention, just for anyone I'm introducing this to. Right now there is a, the, the Lord of the Rings TV show uh, called the, the Rings of Power or whatever. And most people don't know this about uh, uh, Tolkien's lore, is that Tolkien, uh, he was also, I believe, I believe he and, Cla and Lewis were closeted flat earthists. They knew the earth was flat. They, they knew, you know, that you read the Narnia books, the, the, the Narnia was flat. Well, Middle Earth was too at one time. The Middle Earth started out flat. And Tolkien says that the earth went from flat uh, to round. And this is the whole story of Aragon and Numenor, how it was destroyed. It was destroyed when the gods uh, uh, punished 
them and, and turn the earth into a globe, which is a ridiculous storyline on an exoteric level. You have to think esoteric in what Tolkien is actually saying here. And so when the elves go to the undying lands at the end of Return of the King and in, in those passages in those stories, what they don't tell you in the Hollywood films, but what Tolkien is saying is that in the elves, in order to get to the undying lands, you actually have to leave globe earth and you have to return to a flat earth map. And that's the only way to get to the undying lands. Mm -hmm. And so you can start to see uh, where this is where I believe my entire worldview is kind of coming together and being encompassed here. The, the, the globe earth deception is much more than just uh, trying to hide the firmament from us or the fact that heaven is above us. It actually may be much more um, uh, interesting if there is a huge swath of land and we only have a smidgen, we're only in like a puddle, one third of it. And that there's a whole nother, um, I, could, I could just, I don't wanna get too caught up in the ideas of what's out there, uh, but they're hiding it. And I'm totally convinced of that now. So that's, that's my, uh, I'm pretty sure Dave was the guy who asked that. I'm just going to throw that out there because he's always like, he wants to talk, he wants me to talk about the moon now. So, so it's, you know, now that is some <clears throat> uh, very advanced stuff, but what's that going to look like research 10 years down the road? Some really fascinating things, you know, I mean, what, you know, what Michael has done, you know, just in, in, you know, trying to disprove, because I think for the average person, you know, coming to this topic, right. You know, it's, it's disproving the paradigm that they've been giving. Um, you know, Michael, you know, just explain, you know, what you've done, you know, with, um, you know, some of your moon uh, tests in, in the past and just dispelling that, that myth, because you're, you're, a, you're a, you're just like, Noel, but you're still active photographer. Yeah. Like, like, no, yeah, I'm, I'm a photographer. I've been shooting for 35 years. Um, consistently and what i do is i use that knowledge to see through the lies of nasa and and to see the truth um and quite frankly nasa when when it comes to um exposing others to the truth nasa can very well be our best ally because they're so inept with with their um expositions of 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 their uh, fantasies uh when they show their videos their their photography there's so many holes and their illustrations there there's so many holes in it it's easy to pop holes in in those and so what i try to do is open people's eyes to say try to recognize exactly what you're seeing um and and do not take it for granted that they are out to tell you the truth. The whole purpose for NASA is to lie to you. They, matter of fact, I've, I've often said that they are the worst uh, production company in the history of entertainment, uh, yet they have the biggest budgets. Uh, so, 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 so my goal is to get people to just open their eyes and see with 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 just a little critical thinking you don't have to be a, a big photographer or 3d animator or anything like that just use some critical thinking and and that's what i've been trying to do since so, 2015. so michael explain you know so you've been excited about what you're going to be doing at take on the world uh 2022 unfortunately it's virtual 
but it's going to allow you to do some things that you probably couldn't do uh, in person. So why don't you give a really quick synopsis of what you're going to be doing for the Take on the World 22 conference? Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. One of the things that, that, that I want to do is focus more on or give more time on teaching photography and teaching how to use a camera, um, the proper way to use the camera, um, what is a focal length, what is an f-stop, um, what's light fall off, that, that sort of thing. I also want, want to do a comparison of cameras um, to show people why the Nikon P cameras have been such an important and devastating tool in the hands of a flat earther um, compared to other cameras. Uh, also, um, because of where I live now, I have some, some good advantages of doing what I call horizon hunting. Um, I, I live on the 14th floor now and, and, and the view is spectacular. And so I'm going to have all kinds of fun doing some, some uh, horizon experiments that, that I couldn't do before. Uh, so, so, so basically it's just to show people, well, okay, I, I can give you a little preview right, right now. Okay. So we have the P1000. Okay. All right. That's, that's the P1000. And so a lot of people understand um, a lot of flat earthers own this camera and they understand the value that, that it offers us. But um, there's a lot of things this camera can do that they aren't aware of. Yes, it's, it's one of the only three cameras in the industry that can focus on one star at a time, one single star. Okay, only the P cameras can do that. But there are other cameras and I was just blessed with one. This is the Sony RX10 Mark IV, okay? Um, arguably, these are the two best bridge cameras in the world, right, right here, okay? And that's what these are, bridge cameras. So I wanna explain the differences between the two, what you can do with these in addition to, to uh, shooting stars and, and why one is better than another based on a person's need. So, so I really want to focus more on that. So, so that's just a little preview. Yeah, let me let me show you guys something Michael did, and this uh, this is a very interesting. Um, let me let me show you guys this really quickly. Um, this is. Michael focusing on Sirius. If you guys can see that, that is the Sirius star. Michael, why don't you why don't you tell them a little bit about that? So what I did, this was with the P nine hundred before I got the P one thousand. But like I said, the the Nikon P cameras are the only cameras that can focus on a single star. So what I did was I had the camera on a tripod. And I had to hunt for for the star. Once I did that, I did a combination of manual focus and automatic focus. And I was switching be, between between the two 
to get a bead on just that one single star. Now, mind you, stars are constantly moving across the sky. So while I'm focusing on this star, I have to actually move along with it. A lot of people say that, hey, this, this is just a point of light that's blurred, and that's what you get. Um, that's not true. Uh, if you'll notice, you'll see the very sharp edges on, on what looks like, they look almost like little tentacles. I mean, because when this thing is, is, is moving, it's, it's like undulating, like some sci-fi ball of energy. And there's a lot of definition here. When you're blurred, when an image is blurred, that's the whole point. By definition, there is no definition, all right? But when you're shooting a star properly, you're going to get a lot of definition, and that's what you see here. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, as you see them, right, it looks nothing like what NASA reveals to us what stars look like. This is a... This is a um, in focus star in a right. screenshot of it this is this is a um because obviously it's it is it's moving rapidly but this mm -hmm. goes to 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 real reveal um that these things are alive right this is not uh what we've been told to um buy that and i think that's a very fascinating you know aspect maybe noel would want to come on and talk about um, the stars in ancient literature, biblical, extra biblical uh, text books uh, that reveal these things are uh, sentient beings, um, which I think would be uh, vastly uh, interesting as well. So that would be fascinating because once you really view those stars um, with with this equipment, it. It is no stretch to to explore the possibility of them actually being alive, and according to scripture, they are. Um, so uh, that's that's that will be a really fascinating point to add to it. Yeah. So well, we we got I think a few more minutes left in the show, and we covered so many different topics. We 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 went into some bonus things um, for you guys tonight. Um, we promise, I mean, Michael, I guess me and you will promise that we won't take four months off again. No. Okay, yeah, no. so he had, he had some tragic issues. He also had to move, and I had to help All Michael right. move, and it was, it was terrible. Brutal. It was, <laughs> it was horrible, yeah, it was pretty horrible. And, um, you know, so for Seinfeld fans, he had to move uh, Keith Hernandez, and, in, and he was like, you know what? Uh, we're just not that good of friends, Keith. And, and uh, <laughs> unfortunately, because I'm such good friends with Michael, I had to move him, and we had to go down up and down steps and um, take apart things. And it was it was a, it was, a it was we, we were we were dead. So that those are the reasons Michael's been getting established set up. So we weren't purposely taking break. It just ended mm -hmm. up happening. Um, but you know, right now at the end of this show, um, you know, no, we never had you share. You know why this topic is so important um, to a believer, uh, to their walk. You know, so many people say, "Well, it, it, this topic doesn't matter. If the Earth's flat, uh, I'll just go on with the rest of my life. Who cares?" You know, why does this? Why do you believe this topic matters? And why, looking at it from all avenues, like a historical approach, um, like in your book, 
you know, why these things are important and why should we even look into those? Why should someone buy your book and, and dig into this topic if they're brand new to it? And what it ultimately comes down to is do we, um, do we believe the testimony of the most high? And it, that, that's always at the end of the day. It's like we, we, have, we can't pick and choose what we're going to be like, well, I, I like this about God and I don't really like that about him. I was um, reading uh, I was re for homeschool today, uh, just this week, actually, there's a, there's a great YouTube um, channel out there called The Bible Project, and they do these like five-minute videos for children. It's, um, it's headed up by, um, um, I can't think of his name right now, the guy who does the Divine Council. And um, they, the, it was Heiser. all, what was that? Michael Heiser. Yeah, Michael Heiser. Yeah, it's actually sponsored by him, I believe. Mm. And so it was on uh, spiritual beings. And so I was having my children, you know, rehearse this video and write a report on it. And it was really interesting. They had a comment in there about, they said that the biblical writers looked up to the stars and they, they believed that they were divine beings, that they were Elohim. And then they they were kind of, then they kind of backed themselves into a corner on the video and they're like well yeah but uh, <laughs> we don't have to believe that it's just that they believe that and you know Yah allowed them to believe that but that's a huge problem when now Yahuwah is telling us to believe something when he's actually directing us to believe something that isn't true um, and so this it changes everything I mean I it, it's it, it's hard to I have a hard time answering these questions when someone says, well, what does this mean? Why does it matter? Um, it's, it's, it's kind of like um, if, okay, it's like if a caterpillar, <laughs> talk, if a caterpillar went to a butterfly and a caterpillar is like, uh, uh, can, you, uh, can you tell me what it's like to be a butterfly? And the butterfly is like, no, I can't tell you what it's like to be a butterfly. You're going to have to become a butterfly. The caterpillar gets really frustrated. He's like, you can't answer my questions. You know, eventually, eventually the caterpillar goes into the cocoon, he comes out, and he's a butterfly. And then a caterpillar uh, walks up to the butterfly and he says, what is it like to be a butterfly? And his answer is, when you become a butterfly, you'll know. The thing is, is that when we put our trust in Yah um, and we believe him at his word, at his testimony, that's when Yah is like, okay, I can, I can work with you in ways that uh, you never even imagined before. He will start revealing new truths to us. He will start directing us to, uh, yeah, I have learned that Yahuwah is one of those types where um, he doesn't, it can truly be said that he doesn't want to throw the pearls to the swine. And the truth to him is a treasure. And there are some things that he guards. There's, the church would hate this. They say, oh, Noel's a Gnostic, you know, and it, you know, he's, uh, he's exposing himself as a Gnostic right now. There are some things, there are some mysteries that Yahuwah has that he doesn't want to have people trample on. He doesn't want to have people just mock and, and, you know, make, and so on and so forth. And he will reveal these to us, and it changes everything. When we realize that we are being lied to, that Satan isn't just some guy who's trying to tempt us to eat candy, you know, like he's not, he's actually running this world. He's running the management management from the top. And he is, he is a, he, Yahushua calls him the father of lies. He, he, even, even when he's trying to tell the truth, he has to lie. Like he lies about everything. He takes everything that is true. He doesn't create something out of nothing. He takes things that mm -hmm. are true, twists them into these lies. Um, and 
it is com the flat earth is the big one because it's where it i called it the pandora's box earlier it opens everything up and it just starts exposing and there are things you start discovering out there that you never would have had you not you know just trusted god and come to his um the, the truth of his word now many people i'm sure many people who are listening are probably on board with a uh, torah observance but um i know for a fact that i would not be taking that step of obedience and uh eating queen and obeying his sabbaths uh we are now in the fall feast uh i'll be this monday observing um yom teruah i would not be where i'm at if it wasn't for me stepping out in, in faith and and following him at his word and most most of the people that i know that came into the torah did so through the flat earth so hmm. without rambling too much further that is my explanation and why this is such an important topic you're muted all right there we go and this hmm. book will absolutely be a great treasure in your collection of of you know some unbelievable history that i think is so vastly underlooked and underappreciated by most people in the flat earth community um and by you know bible believers i mean you know it is it is a i mean uh man just just even going back and reading uh the the photocopied things it's, it is uh they're truly a gem they're truly a treasure and so uh i encourage you guys to get the earth not a globe review where uh, volumes one through eight are compiled all into one easy to read um you know publication um so yeah and and michael i want you to end sort of on that same note why don't you share your thoughts there and then i'm going to do something fun at the end but go ahead michael you share the last thoughts you're going to have the last words to the show and then i'm going to come back with something um yeah i i also feel that learning the true uh the truth of cosmology um based on scripture changes everything um it it did with me my my wife and i our life has never been the same since 2015 and and i think that um actually witnessing the people now is easier when uh people ask me well can you prove the existence of, of, of God, I, I'm like, oh, yes, yeah, that's easy now, all right? Because now I know the actual truth of, of where we live and how it was created and what it actually looks like. Now, it'll blow their mind when I, when, when, when I describe it, but I can do it now. Uh, so, so, yeah, it does change everything. Absolutely. Well, Noel, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I think we're just a little bit past... Uh, our two hour where we want to be cut off at. Um, so thank you so much for joining us tonight. I know, you know, you've had a really busy schedule. Uh, you got an increased family. You got a lot of things going on. So thank you so much for taking your time. We appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And so where you can find Noel is at the unexpectedcosmology.com that has links to a YouTube channel, a bunch of other things, his store with the books, his articles that he writes, um, so, yeah, go check that out, Michael. Uh, why don't you uh, share where people can ask you questions, find you, and, and you know, bring you aboard on other, you know, platforms. Because you've been out there doing um, – you've been doing other shows without me. And <laughs> you can even do Flat Out Insights. You've been a guest on other shows. Um, so, you know, even when you're, like, super crazy, 
you know, you still you still had time to do that. So, you know, I said all of those nice things about why we took a break. And then, you know, I remembered you were doing all those shows without me, too. So. Not all those shows. I wasn't doing too many of them. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, people can contact me uh, through Facebook. Um, I have a YouTube channel, um, uh, the the Observer, and uh, and through through Facebook and through Flat Out Insights. Um, so I'm I'm on there a lot. Uh, so those are ways you can contact me. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys for being here. If anybody wants to jump off, you can. I'm gonna take like probably the next five minutes. We did this on our sound off show, and we're gonna reminisce a little bit. Um, but tonight it's going to be flat earth style. And so too many things you can't share without getting kicked off of uh, uh, YouTube if it's copyrighted. But we're not going to show that. So um, us three, we were at a conference, FEIC 19. And I said we were all speakers at FEIC 19. And so this is from that event um, redone. So uh, this was they did this live there. So we're going to watch a music video uh, that I absolutely um, uh, think is super funny. I'm in it. Uh, my wife is in it. Rob Skeeb is in it. Um, but it's absolutely a blast. So without further ado, this is the official video for those of you coming into this topic. You guys weren't around back then. <laughs> this is the official music video to Lean Flat. T-minus 15 seconds, guidance is internal, 12, 11, 10, 9, ignition sequence start, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, all engine running, liftoff, we have a liftoff, 32 minutes past the hour, liftoff on Apollo 11. NASA says happy. We know the truth, homeboy, get flattened. Kids clapping, learn the truth of the place. All the brothers in the squad got them questioning space. It's a flat world, surrounded by ice. Have a meal for the truth, brother, this is the life. Did my own research, what do you have? Flat earth in the gym, what you don't understand? Ask me something plain, too much to cope with. Who do you think Creeper Crowley was close with? Jay Parsons, making scripture a mockery. He stole the truth, call him Mr. Grand Lawson. They did it all, put the pieces to the puzzle. They did us wrong, now they want us all muzzle. Came out the gate with the Enoch grip. Got the head, house a shirt with the Reebok kick. I said my brothers don't dance, they just throw up the facts and throw the globe away. Now lean flat, lean flat, lean flat, lean flat. I said my brothers don't dance, they just go on their rants and throw the globe away. Now lean flat, lean flat, lean flat, lean flat. Yeah, we're living better now. Hawks and sweating now. Can't leave the earth cause we tear it down. See the globes get tight and you dance a million. So I take on the world and it hurts the feelings. You can find Effie in any given place. Our people are driven cause we debating space. If the grass hasn't came, they're probably near. Cause half these guys believe in lies for real. And if you believe in lies, the truth gon' hurt you. These NASA guys making theories commercial. Just like Bill Nye, eating it up. 
Debating common sense? Dude, what's up? Hate for the truth? It's a tragedy. Quantum theories and gravity. Even Robbie D could imagine this. Black Cruiser had to play them in the champion. My brothers don't dance, they just throw up the facts and throw the globe away. Now lean flat, lean flat, lean flat, lean flat. I said my brothers don't dance, they just go on the rants and throw the globe away. Now lean flat, lean flat, lean flat, lean flat. Yeah, who's the Mac? Return of the Mac, make them lean flat. Rat-a-tat-tat, you been flat smack Fear of a flat planet is the next track Never hesitate to put an asshole on his back Matter of fact, I'll be that last man standing While you're falling for that fake moon landing Choking on that blue pill Thinking gravity is real when in reality the earth is standing still CGI don't even look real Taxpayers flip the bill Can't they do better with 40 trill? NASA's here to kill, I and deceive us Stop us the believers from believing in the one sent to redeem us Ancient aliens and demons Pagans and the heathens are changing the theories just like their seasons Giving me a million reasons to lean flat And once you lean flat, you never turn back I said my brothers don't dance, they just throw up the facts And throw the globe away Now lean flat, lean flat, lean flat, lean flat I said my brothers don't dance, they just go on their rants And throw the globe away Now lean flat, lean flat, lean flat, lean flat So that was a good time. That was the good times back in the day. So if you guys, <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, um, we'll be doing, we'll be doing some fun stuff like that uh, coming up. So thank you guys so much for being here tonight with us. We are going to sign off. This has been flat out insights. Thank you guys for being here. See everyone. <laughs>